It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. E-S-N-Y. Welcome back to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my co-hosts, Matt Castillo and Chip Murphy. We are going to get into a lot with the Knicks here. Obviously, uh, play on, the play-in dream is just about over as, as of uh, when we're recording this. Um, and we have three big, I guess you could call them topics, but three big guys we want to talk about today. We're going to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly with R.J. Barrett. Tom Thibodeau, and of course, Julius Randle. Um, so we're going to try and hit on all three of these guys and kind of take a look at what happened all season long and where we're at right now. So I guess we might as well start off with RJ Barrett because this is the positive that we're going to get into. Um, we haven't talked in a while, so I'll kind of leave the floor open to you guys. What have you seen, and I guess specifically since the All-Star break, what have you seen out of RJ Barrett um, that's been the biggest thing for him taking this leap from kind of like that, you know, developing uh, solid wing to now he's looking more and more like a star. So I guess I'll start with you, Chip. Uh, what have you seen most out of Barrett this last, uh, you know, since the all-star break stretch? Obviously the scoring has gone up, but he's just been more aggressive consistently. Like there was more of a reliance on the jump shot, I think earlier in the year. And not so much like just the the pull-up jump shot. I think he was turning himself or either the coaching staff was turning him into a catch-and-shoot guy early, earlier in the mm-hmm. year. And that was obviously because they wanted to focus on taking more threes. But now he's just been relentless, attacking the rim, attacking the rim. And the free throws haven't been as much of a problem this year, which you know I, I think that's why he's been more aggressive too. But when he's going to the rim, it's also, you know, his assists have been, his passing has been great too. He's really playmaking well. Mm-hmm. You know, his numbers yeah. since February, he's played 22 games since February uh, 2nd. And he's 25.6 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists. And his, you know, his efficiency isn't great. He's taken a lot of shots. He's had some, he still every once in a while has some games where he, he shoots the ball pretty poorly, but. Man, he has he has some games where he just looks like an absolute superstar. And I, I got to say, I point mostly to his aggressiveness, where sometimes he just, at the beginning of the year, he would look like he just wanted to be a spot-up shooter at times and focus on that. And now it's downhill all game, it seems like. And, and earlier in his career, when he would – put his head down and drive to the basket it would be we know what rj's doing he's going to shoot now he's willing to kick the ball out to the corner uh dish it off to i don't know throw it up for a lob to sims or mitch or something dish it off behind him he his game has opened up so much more as a driver 
And I think that's been huge too to up his scoring average. Like, and, and he's, he's also just to yeah, oh, quick, yeah. just a quick ad. He'll go left or right now, but yes, he, yeah, keep it, going. Obviously. But like, he's, yeah, yeah now he's like either, either side where he used to be very left dominant. Yeah. Yeah. You used to be able to just force mm. him to the right. And he would, I mean, just fumble the ball pretty much, but yeah, I, I, uh, he's just, I don't know what happened over that all-star mm-hmm. break. What's happened over the last month. Maybe it's just, I don't know. I don't want to say Randall's been more uh, willing to give the ball over to him, but he he's, yeah, he's taken more initiative of the offense. He really has. And it's, it's been the only fun thing to watch. And I think that's what we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we, when we did our special March madness show, um, when we briefly talked about the Knicks, it was there's not a whole lot of excitement. I mean, from what we expected this season uh, for all three of us, they're nowhere near that expectation. Um, but the one bright spot has been RJ Barrett. I, I talked about it, um, you know, a little bit where there's people that I know down here that know the game very well um, and just they've never been high on RJ Barrett. And I said, well, you need to pay attention and watch a little bit more closely because you can see things are coming. And like I said, one of the cool things is, is they go, oh yeah, you know, now, now I'm starting to see uh, all the hype that was around him to begin with. He's been that good. Um, you know, I, I think we were talking about how he's going downhill and attacking. That was something that he was willing to do, but he wasn't very successful finishing around the rim. He wasn't very successful finishing around, you know, a lot of contact really, even in the first couple of years into the league, you know, uh, Clyde uh, Clyde Frazier talks about it even like he goes to the basket, but needs to, to be more efficient around the rim. It's not one of his strengths. And you can see that it it is starting to come as one of his strengths and then using both hands. And for me, the big thing is, He's not hesitant, right? Like you can tell there is absolutely no thought process. He's just playing the game, right? Like he's not thinking, should I shoot this ball? And then being a little like hesitant to to let it rip that without question, he's catching, he's shooting, it's going up and it's making a world of difference. I mean, you can just see that he's a much more competent player. Uh, Definitely somebody that I think is, is becoming the true number one option on this team. Um, you know, you trip, you talked about the free throws, the free throws was a struggle early on this year, but you know, it's not a full quote, but something along the lines is it was pissing him off that he was not shooting the free throw. Well, so what did he do? He spent time in the gym shooting thousands of free throws to improve. So I think that's also the biggest thing about him is that the man's putting in the work and has been since day one, you know, anything that he is not having success at. He's not just, you know, oh, I'm just going to worry about what I do well. He's trying to work out those those kinks, work out the things that don't make him successful so he can be an all-around player. I think that's really the most impressive part about R.J. Barrett, and I've said this several times as well. It's amazing how much he doesn't get credit, right? Like we see the list of young players on there. Nobody wants to mention R.J. Barrett. Nobody wants to talk about, you know, how other players are coming up to him and saying, dude, you're like a totally different player, totally different guy, praising him after the game. And nobody talks about that. And the best part is he doesn't complain. He doesn't sit there and say, well, you know what? I think I should get more respect. He just goes about his business, goes to work, 
And I mean, he, he's, I, I don't know how you, you can't be excited to see what number nine's doing out there on the floor each and every night over the last, you know, several months. This stretch has continued. You know, we've seen it before, right? We've seen him have some stretches where he's around 20 something points a game and we're getting excited. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a drop off. There hasn't been that drop off. And another thing that I, I love is we, we've seen a little, glimpse of uh, what he can be but how many times last year was it he was awful in the first half and -hmm. then came out in the second half and had a great you know great overall game it's now going over the course of the whole game that he is contributing yeah of course he still has some nights where he might start off a little sluggish a little slow uh but there is absolute no hesitant there's no like Mm -hmm. oh i just don't have it tonight let me sit here and kind of watch and let it know he's just playing through it. And I think that that's a big thing that any real number one option players have to have uh, of having that confidence that, okay, even if my shot's not falling early, I got to stay with it. And he's been able to hit some big shots and big moments for us uh, this year. And, you know, Chip, you were the one to say it uh, as frustrating as this year has been, at least there's RJ Barrett. And that, that is the dead honest truth. It's so fun to watch him, uh, take it to another level, still doesn't get the love and respect that I think he deserves. And I think people should be mentioning him uh, around the league. He doesn't, and that frustrates me. Uh, it, it, I'm sure it frustrates him as well, mm-hmm. but he's just the, he's, you know, goes about it very humbly and just goes to work and, and shows up every night and does his job. I mean, I, I think any Nick fan, we should be thrilled what we're getting from RJ Barrett. And, you know, despite what they all want to claim <clears> about, you know, Look at John Morant. You know, I've seen the ridiculous thing that the Knicks should have lost more that year, and we we could have. Yeah. They had the worst record in we the had league. The worst record yeah. in the league. You know, I mean, it's just like the narrative, and that mm. just shows you what the four letter uh, network knows about you know the game. Uh, you know, they're, they're think, a major one. Yeah, I think I think RJ definitely does see that stuff, and he does use yeah. it as fuel because uh, he's mentioned you know the the all rookie stuff uh, definitely was something that put a chip on his shoulder. And uh, you guys kind of both touched on something that I wanted to highlight with just being aggressive and more consistent and um, something that is almost like a, a response to the critics who say he's too inefficient to be a star. I think one of the things he's done really well since the All-Star break is he's getting to the line a lot more. Last year, he averaged 3.8, um, <clears throat> 3.8 three, uh, free throw attempts per game. During this uh, 18 games post All Star break stretch, he's going to line 8.6 times per game. So even though he's only shooting 76%, which obviously you want that to be like 80 and above, even though he's shooting like that, it's improving. And the other thing is, you can kind of overcome some of those nights where you're not shooting the ball as well if you can steal some points at the line. I mean, how many times have we seen Embiid, Harden? Uh, Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, like a lot of these stars, we'll see them have these nights where, you know, maybe they're six for 18 or something like that. They don't, they don't shoot their best, but then they go eight for 10 from the line or nine for 10 from the line. And you look up and it's like, oh, wow, they had like 25 points. And, you know, you didn't even realize. And most of the time they're winning those games. So it doesn't always have to be pretty. And I don't think we should be expecting a 21 year old to shoot the lights out every single game. I think that's just, wild to expect out of a kid like that and just not fair to him um 
But at the same time, if he's going to the line as much and he's this aggressive and he's able to draw contact and he's hitting more free throws than he was, you know, his first two seasons, I think that's a sign that he could be like a, have a little bit more consistency and staying power. And maybe this isn't just another blip in the radar because uh, this is definitely the longest, like strong stretch that he's had in his yes. career. We've seen this for four or five games and then maybe he, he tones it down a little bit, but he's been pretty consistent over these 18 games, um, you know, basically just scoring 20 points a night, every night, and then having his, you know, 46 is 30 here and there. Um, so it's really good to see. And I guess that leads yeah. into just one more RJ question for you guys. Do you think that Knicks should give him the max this off just gonna if you that's, didn't bring I, that up i was gonna i bring feel it like up. that's yeah i feel like that's the the million dollar or um whatever you know millions he can get uh i feel like that's what is it 180 i don't even 180 i actually don't i know i wrote about it might it not be day. that high i, I, I wrote know. it in uh in a post the other day so let me i can just check that but that's that's it's the question is this but it's, it's a really, lot of money Look, yes, I do think they should max him. Mm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, without, I would not hesitate. I would do it. And I think he's going to ask for it. And I think they should do it. I think he's, I don't think that teams should run their franchises based on past failures. But I, I think, of course, it has to be in the back of their minds. Like, yeah, you know, this is what, this is the best guy we've, had in i don't know a is he the, their best draft pick best since, homegrown in a long time since patrick ewing right yeah yeah he's the best draft pick since patrick ewing. yeah i i, I mean I, I i agree i i i think you you have to max him I, like yeah. i just said i think we're starting to see the guy that is emerging as the true number one option and the guy that is going to be the foundation uh, of the franchise um you know, I, that we all hope that he would start trending in that direction. And I think we're finally seeing it. Yeah, it's, you know, a, a strong season this year. And some people might be thinking, well, you know, the risk factors, it, cause he, can he continue this? Will he continue this? You know, that's always a tricky thing. But for me, I'm willing to roll that dice and, and give him the opportunity. I think he's the kind of player that, you know, is going to be our number one option. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be a player that can attract other players to come play here. That's I was going to say. He's I think the kind of guy that brings people here and Julius Randall isn't. I no, think he's no. your path of least resistance to that, like mythical, how we've, we've talked about this on the show a million times, that mythical like star that's going to emerge that they can trade for their path of least resistance to that, of getting a guy saying, trade me to New York is RJ making the all-star game next year. Yeah. And people, and you know, maybe not even the Knicks being like, you know, a top seed in the East, but just being competitive. RJ makes an all-star game. Somebody out there who wants to get out of some place is going to go, hmm, guys I, I like would, RJ. I would yeah. like to go play with that guy. And, yeah, guys oh, like guys, RJ. Oh, it's New York. There you go. Like this, we've heard the narrative a million times that like, oh, New York can attract a star. Like, and we just know that is not true. It's not true. Yeah. It's going to take But if RJ Barrett, Barrett is yeah. a all-star in New York, it doesn't hurt that it's in New York. You know, like it, that to me is the, the easiest way that the Knicks are going to jump into that pool of teams that is, is in the, in the market for, you know, I don't even want to put any names out there because it always changes. And there's, well, we all, always, we all know who it's about. 
It's all about Donovan Mitchell. Right now, he's the it girl in the NBA. Yeah. Like, I mean, whoever it ends up being next, like we'll see. Um, But yeah, I I think I think it's it's not without its risks, giving him all that money. But it's almost like it's it's a move you have to make just to just to tell everyone the direction you're going. And also another thing, just one last point on this and then we can move on. If Brock Aller is, you know, this amazing capologist who can, you know, do all this like crazy stuff. I don't think one of like the things that he should be like cutting corners on and trying to like gain an edge on everyone else is I don't think that should be on like extending the face of your franchise. Like you make it right with him. I think that goes further than pinching a couple pennies on the back end of his contract. So you can like give someone the mid-level exception, you know, like, just that's a crude analogy, but you know, you get what I'm trying to say. Like make it right with your number one guy and then figure everything else out after that. Yeah. And, and paying your number one guy sends a message to the rest of the league. Like, Oh, exactly. Well, take care of They're serious about this guy. He's serious about taking care of their guys too. Like that. Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That they're they're serious about it. And then you trade Julius and get him out of there. And the money thing isn't, and then you have more money to spend exactly. anyway. To help. Exactly. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get into that in a minute here. But yeah. first, we'll go from the good RJ Barrett. Now we'll move on to the bad Tom Thibodeau, and we can kind of talk about, I guess, the whole season and you know some of the some of the decisions lately. But I guess I just want to get your guys' take and like not necessarily a rapid reaction because the game was last night. But if you guys were watching the game last night, what was your take when? He took out Emmanuel quickly at what well, I think it was about, you know, four minutes left, something like that. When he took out Emmanuel quickly and left Alec Burks and last night, what chip I'll I guess I'll go to you. What was uh, what was your reaction to that move? Yeah, I I mean, I wasn't too surprised. Like when I saw uh, Evans sitting at like the scores table, I was like, yeah, he's coming in for quickly. Yeah, like, I hope he's coming in for Burks, but I know who he is coming in for. Yeah, like. I think Burks played the entire second half. It was insane yeah, how that he played the entire second half. But, man, I I think Tommy Beer tweeted out today the this, this stat about Burks, that he's played more minutes than anybody in the NBA in the month of March. It's just absolutely insane how much Tibbs likes Burks. And it's almost like he's trolling at this point with the Burks thing. But, yeah, I, I was – I was shocked and not shocked Mm -hmm. at the same time. I was, I was pretty pissed, but I know other people were more pissed than me because they also hate Fournier. I'm a big Fournier (laughs) guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in in that camp with you. Yeah. I wasn't too upset about Evan coming back in, especially because Evan was playing really well. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I I mean, I missed the game. Um, I, I ended up going to, uh, my my cousin's baseball game is a senior this year, and he was on the mound. So I went and watched them pitch. Which, by the way, he had a complete game. Uh, and, there and we then, go. You know, they won the game as well, obviously. But um, I was going to watch it here. It's weird because I get blacked out when they play the Hornets, mm-hmm. so I have to watch it through a website. And you can watch the replay of it. And I was going to do that actually when I was working today, but I accidentally clicked the ESPN app or the score, so I said, "Screw it, I'm not going to watch it." Um, but I was going to say, I mean, I looked, I seen Fournier drop 30 points last, you know, and he's been playing better, by the way. I, I, I mean, he really has he's been playing more consistent. And I, I know perfect, I've been, but he's not, for, he's not like, right. A, 
I've been screaming for some consistency from him, but I mean, like, for those that blame him for everything, it it, it just needs to stop. It just absolutely needs to stop. A big part of the signing of Evan Fournier was the fact that he would be playing with an all-star player, an all-star, all-NBA player, Mm -hmm. and that's not who he's playing with. So you have to blame Julius for that, too. And I think just with the the, the Tibbs stuff, the sub, Chip, I think you said you were shocked, but not shocked. Like they need, I, I, I don't know if there's a word about like that describes that feeling of like, when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, unbelievable. You're taking out yeah. quickly when he's, he's like the, the, he was the energy on the floor. He was doing everything, every single possession. It was high screen would come out quickly would take that like long mm-hmm. hezzy that he does. And he would break into the paint. And, you know, not every possession was perfect. I mean, he's still, you know, a young player. He's not he's not going to be perfect on both ends of the floor all the time. But seeing Fournier coming in and seeing uh, quickly go out, it was, like, simultaneously believable and unbelievable. Because yeah. – Yeah, I could – yeah. You can't believe it, but at the same time, you're like, well, that's Tibbs. Like, you yeah, can't believe I, it. I couldn't – like, all, all these – tweets from Knicks fans that I was seeing even today I was seeing like can't believe he took quickly out I'm like really still can't believe that he's doing this shit after that, how many uh, years like, that's, I mean, and how that's many what games? we talked about even, even back before he was hired this is what we were talking about like this is what we knew was going to be the thing this is what we said would be the problem the, the biggest thing that we were a little afraid of hiring Tibbs we know what he's about we, we I mean at this point that the, the was he going to change? He's not going to change. He's not. This is what he's going to do. He's going to throw out the guys that he trusts no matter what. Uh, and at times it is very frustrating, you know, even, even in that win. Uh, and I know I'm not trying to go into Randall. I'll say that, but I, and I forgot who we played, but we, we won the game. Randall pouted, stormed off the court. Oh, the Bulls. Even in that, Bulls. Game, that was a Bulls like, game. Yeah, the Bulls game. Thank you. It, you know, Toppin was playing amazing. Amazing. And he just threw out Randall back in for the final mm-hmm. three minutes. And it was like, for what, for what, you know, yeah. <laughs> like things like that is absolutely maddening. Like it, it just, it drives me insane. Um, and it, it, when it, I've seen a lot this week in the last couple of weeks. And I mean, I, sometimes when I tweet things, like I said, I don't actually mean them. I just like, why not? I, you know, I do it with the Yankees all the time. I say, fire this guy, fire that guy. I'm not, not all the time. I'm being serious, you know? Uh, and I might've thrown in a couple of fire Tibbs, you know, a couple of times this year after blowing another 20 point game, but that might be because he lost me money. You know, I, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I see it a lot of people considering, you know, it, are they going to move on from, him or should they move on from him? I don't know how you guys feel about that. Uh, but I'm not firing a guy who just won the coach of a year. Like, yes, he's been bad and yes, has made some decisions. But again, I put this whole blame on, on so many aspects of this year, not just from coaching, but players front office as well. They all play a part of it. Tibbs hasn't been great, you know, at times this year and has done things that I just don't understand. I don't think anybody can really understand and make, you know, any sense of it. Uh, it's just, it's, he's in his ways, he's stubborn, but I was just curious about that. Like I, I'm on that side. There's no way I'm fighting. I'm even an option. I wouldn't like if they, if they were to move on from him, I wouldn't kill them for doing that. But at the yeah. same time, I think bringing Tibbs back isn't the worst decision. Uh, I think next year he'll have a pretty short leash and, you know, one possibility could be, you know, Nick start out slow in the first 20 games. You could see, 
Tibbs get fired and Johnny Bryant, here's 60 games to, you know, see what you got, basically. Um, I don't think that's crazy to think that's going to happen, but, I mean, we'll see. I, I think Tibbs is definitely coming back next year just by, like, all the reports that have been coming out recently. Um, but I think – and this transitions into Ugly, which is the Julius Randle saga – uh, I think, and this was a bunch of people were saying this in Julito McCollum's Twitter spaces mm-hmm. today. That was, that was lively. I was listening to that for a little bit, yeah. but uh, a bunch of people were just bringing up the idea that if you're going to keep Tibbs, uh, you got like Randall, just, you got to move on from him yeah. because he's kind of the, the, the one who's kind of s- stopping everything from, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't say he's stopping it like Tibbs from working, but it's clear that, Randall on Tibbs' team just isn't going to work. Whether he's tuning him out, uh, and he, you know, the voice is lost from Tibbs to Randall, and I think Tibbs maybe just doesn't want to like completely alienate this guy because he's trying to like coax him back into the fold. But whatever it is between those two, like it's just not working like it was. I think at this point, you know, the only thing to do is is you got to tr- you got to figure out a way to get rid of Randall. Uh, because even though he's going to talk last night after the game and say, oh, I want to win a championship here, I want to retire here, and he's going to say, oh, oh, I love the city, like, you know, all that, I was saying all that is all well and good, but all year long, he's said, the, he's said like the exact opposite with his play on the court, his body language, uh, the way he acts after wins and losses, he's picking up technical fouls left and right for stupid stuff, like, you know, like, getting into a fight with Rudy Gobert. He got kicked out of the Grizzlies game because he was, you know, trying to get in their huddle when they were drawing up a play. Like he just, he's, it's been so much nonsense this year. And then you add on top of that, like the effort level, it just comes and goes with the times with him. Uh, If he's scoring, he's playing defense. If he's not scoring, he's he's just out, he's a body out there. It's ridiculous. You don't need to be a like you don't need to have a like a PhD in body language to just see how bad it's been for him this year. And I wrote a column on it today, but like actions speak louder than words. Like you can right. say you want to be here all you want, and you know your agent can deny those reports that you asked for a trade. Which I don't like. Who knows if that's true? I'm like I'm not saying I don't I don't know the behind the scenes details of what's going on with Randall and and the front office, but all year long we've seen Randall he wants out like he doesn't want to be here anymore he doesn't like the fans he doesn't really like the media because he'll boycott him like maybe he likes you know living here and the area is nice and everything like that i'm sure it's not easy you know picking up and moving every couple years but he doesn't want to be here like he doesn't want to play for the knicks he doesn't want to he doesn't want to go out in front of the the fans in the garden like what's the point and it sucks because for the knicks it probably didn't tank his trade value but like it's going to be a little more difficult to get rid of him. Uh, but I think, you know, I think it's just at this point, it's done. Like you can't. No. Yeah. Irreconcil- irreconcilable dif- differences at this point. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. And it's kind of funny because I I've seen a lot, you know, uh, of the body language of Randall and you got so many people going, I'm glad that we have PhD, you know, of people of body language, you know, they're mocking people that pick at everything, but I mean, it is obvious. Like you, you can't tell me him pouting and throwing the ball off the court, not even talking to his teammates after a hard fought win against the bulls. Like that is, that's not just making drama that that's mm-hmm. a legitimate thing. You can see it. He was, he, he never wanted to come back into that game. 
they put him in with three minutes left, and he kind of just stood there at times, like, I'm just here. I'm going through the motions. And, you know, I, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I haven't really gotten evolved in the criticism of Julius Randle over this season. Why? Because, you know, I think back that first year, his first season, he was driving me nuts. I mean, he, he absolutely drove me nuts. And yes, he still put up numbers. And, and you know, Danny, I remember doing this podcast, me and Chip, we were talking about maybe we trade him. But, you know, and then it, this was last season before mm, we yeah, had, before he had his magical run. And you said, you know, let's not forget that he isn't he's, – he's a good, solid player, and he is. You know, so that's why I think I've kind of sat back and tried to have a little patience with it. But I'm at the point my patience are gone. Like, I, I'm, I'm just done with it. And I, I know a lot of people have been done with it a few months ago, and I don't blame them. Uh, but that, that Bulls win was the, the last straw for me. And what drives me nuts is this is a guy that had one really big season, and he was phenomenal last year. And it's like that success went to his head. Like he's crying to the officials over everything. If somebody looks at him as he's dribbling to the basket, he wants to know why a foul isn't called. Like this, this man is acting like he's he's the biggest superstar in the NBA. That's that's the vibe I get from him. He wants every single call, and when he doesn't get the call, he pouts. He walks back on defense. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody dribble right at him, and he never moves in front, never makes an effort, just lets him go right to the rim, and then wants to look at everybody else. I mean, there's sometimes even on the floor with somebody that's very inexperienced, Jericho Sims. There's a couple of times he's making a bounce pass to him, you know, trying to feed him down the put, and it is an awful pass. And he's looking at Sims like, what are you doing? Why did you screw this up? Well, you threw the ball at somebody that's six foot eleven at his ankle, and you want to know what he's doing. Like, you're giving this man the death look, and I'm thinking, why did you think that was a good pass? Like, I've just – I've had enough of it, and, and you know – there's things where he's talking about like for his son, he doesn't understand why he's getting booed and he's having to leave the arena because it's be, it, it upsets him and all that stuff. You're playing like crap. You're you, I mean, you're going to that's, get booed. Yeah. That that's tough because it's like, you know, he's a five-year-old, like he's old enough to know what's going on, but not old enough to understand. And like, I, I sympathize, like that's gotta be a tough situation for his family to be in. It is, but I mean, but it's just the, like that's the nature. Quite of the frankly, beast, you know, we like see that, his like, wife post play, videos all the time of his son throwing a tantrum. That looks like Julius Randle on the court this year. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, I it mean, it's does. just my yeah. My point being that like it sucks that his son has to go like has to listen to his dad get booed at home, and you know he doesn't really understand what's going on necessarily or why it's happening. But you know, like you play in New York or Philly, that's just. Like that, New York like fans are never going to change. Like with that, if you suck and you're not showing effort out there, you're not trying. You're going to get. If you're owning up to it, if he just yeah, I'm not playing well. If you're Mm -hmm. honest and and no, if if not even that, it's if he gave effort, hundred percent. But that's the thing. It's it's there's none. There's there's times that you can just see it. He doesn't want to be there. He has such a toxic relationship with like New York City fans because when it's going good, it's going good. Like, like things like last year, like things could not have been better. Like the love fest between him and Knicks fans was just incredible. And then this year it started going bad again. And it's been like complete one. Maybe that's just his personality. 
and maybe it's just, that's just it's who just he is emphasized in new york because yeah. it's just you know such a i think big an unforgiving market yeah. i really do i think there's more to i like you know and I, again not claiming i have i'm correct this is just my opinion i could be totally wrong and that's fine this is just my opinion but i look at it as the success he had last year i think that gets to his head a little bit here and then also things like the off season where he took less money right like remember he's when we thought like, that I, was he was doing us a solid four that's, years that's, 120 yeah, that, million that's, that's <laughs> the way he's taking it is like i took less money you. you know so we can we can afford this and yeah. that and look at the love i'm getting back i'm getting booed I, I, you know and, and that's probably i'm sure there's i'm sure there's like there isn't one thing that you can pinpoint i'm sure all of that stuff is like right and coming it's into just been a frustrating year for the whole and, team yeah i mean and and really like i i sympathize with the guy like it can't be easy going through what he's going through on like a public stage, just getting so much criticism. But at the end of the day, you're an NBA player. That's, that's what, what you signed, you signed up, for. up for. You signed that's, the that's, extension. That's you what signed you make, up for. That's what you make a lot of money to do. And I think the fans, all they ask is that you give effort on any given. At the night. end of the day, don't be a dick to Kemba. Don't be a dick to RJ. Don't be a dick to Fournier. Maybe, maybe try and make things work. Mm-hmm. And you won't get booed, and maybe you'll win some games, and you won't get booed. I know there's yeah. a lot of speculation. I know, but there's like photos, like in their team huddles, where people are giving him a look. Like oh, there's a lot that circulated. I, I mean, they may not be nothing, you know. And I'm not saying they are, but there's sometimes they catch photos, and RJ's looking at him like, "Go away." <laughs> it's you know, like one photo is, or you know, or one video is one thing, but when you see video after video lot. of him, like like a guy falling down like going down on the ground right in front of him he looks at him and just walks away like you know you see with the coach where he knocked the thing out of the coach's hand that was yeah you see you see all this all this stuff happening and over and over and over and it's like if it looks like a duck walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's a duck like he doesn't want to be here anymore uh do everybody a favor and and figure something out but if he doesn't want to be it's like your guys are here like this is the Kentucky Knicks. Like you went to dinner with Leon Rose and William Wesley. Like, well, Kenny Payne is gone now. Probably his his closest guy from Kentucky. But he was doing this regardless, even with him there. Yeah, it's true. He it started while Kenny Payne was here, but <laughs> I mean, now Kenny Payne is no longer here to offer I guidance. Have a hard time believing if he's not happy at Kentucky with yeah. the Kentucky Knicks. Where the hell is this dude gonna be happy? I don't know. It's that's a good question. But I do think that it, this season, I would not be surprised to see him going this off season. I, I really, I really do think it's a real possibility. Now, what what moves are done after the fact? I don't I, know. Call me crazy, but if he's not gone, like I would try and maybe move off of Toppin because he deserves a bigger role somewhere than you know twelve to fifteen minutes a game like an inconsistent minutes where one night he might get 10 minutes and then yeah. another might, he might get 20. Like he deserves a bigger role in that. And if how many, Tibbs, how many minutes, if Tibbs isn't going to, how many I mean, minutes you should get, they need to money ball that situation. They yeah, need to trade. They need I'm to thinking, pay me a Julius Randall and Hatterberg Obi Toppin and get oh, him. In there. <laughs> I'm just thinking that like pay or Toppin probably deserves a bigger role. And I don't, I'm not sure what they would even get for him, but you would be better served having a tweener four or five, like a guy who can play small ball five as your backup four. I mean, I'm not giving any specifics. So this is like, I'm 
I'm not giving any real solution here, but if you can find a tweener four or five who can play small ball five, so you can maybe switch it up end of games and maybe, maybe do like, like play Randall at the four, that tweener as a small ball five, and then you can do some switching and you can kind of like be a little more flexible because if it's just going to be like Randall plays power forward, top and plays power forward, we'd distribute the minutes 48, you know, 35, 36 to Randall and then 12 to Toppin. Like, that's just, that's not a, I, I was just like, going to say, that's not a good rotation. Who's the coach in the situation you're describing? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I it's think, not Tom Thibodeau. I think Tibbs is coming back, but I'm saying like, if, if, the, like, if, the, if they're keeping Randall, change the roster so you can have that flexibility because Tibbs obviously doesn't want to do that with Toppin. You, no, you can't run it back with both. One of them has to go. Yeah. And that like that sucks because Toppin is a New York kid, like seems like loved by the fans here. Like I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. He's ever going to be second team all NBA like Randall was. No, I mean, I mean, you can't run it back with Julius and Tibbs. Oh, okay. One of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. But I there is there is a world where they both are back. I think I agree with that. I think it's fair, but I I agree with Chip. I think there's a scenario where it happens. Of course, it's the most likely one. We're the Knicks, and that's probably what's going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But, you know, I, I, I was just curious, though, um, with, with Toppin, how, uh, you know, for either one, how many minutes do you think he, he should be playing in this rotation? Because, I, I mean, there are nights he plays 12, the next minute, the next minute he plays 7. Yeah, 48. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just I curious like, because I like, – Around 20 minutes off the bench would be a nice okay, so little, like, okay, yeah, yeah, something that's around exactly there. Like, I'm, not saying, right. I'm not saying he needs to start and play 36 minutes right. a game. That's not, like some, some suggest that like he should be playing like 25, yeah. 30 minutes. And yeah, I just I, don't I, think if, his style of play fits that. Because he's well, just I, up and down the floor. I just think he can be I, I think, think 20 minutes would be great. I think like 25, 30 minutes would be more logical at this point in the season, at least at this point in the season, Five, yeah. than 12. Like I, I think that for sure. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with with that situation. I, I think know. they should shut Julius down. I don't think he should play another minute the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and Ob should start and play starter minutes between 30, 35 yeah, uh, minutes I, every single game. We're not playing for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. not. It's <laughs> it's I mean, we're not making yeah. the playoffs. It's not happening. It's over. It's over. I mean, yeah, exactly. I know Tibbs. Tibbs lives in fantasy land where and he wants to win as many. Games, we're going to go but, five and zero, oh and then uh, yeah, yeah, Tibbs is saying, and well, the Hawks are going to go. We can go. Hawks are going to go zero and five. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, it's it, yeah. no. I, I'm right. I agree. I, I mean, at this point, might as well see what what is life without him. Yeah. You know, we got a little taste of it when he missed three games, and guess what? They played great. They looked really good. I mean. A different style of play for sure. Now, I'm not claiming – that's not me saying this is all on Randall. Again, I, I don't want that narrative And because you get some like, see, we play a lot better without Randall on the floor. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying we got a little taste of it. Why not keep looking? Because that is a serious option at this, at this point. He may not be back next year. I will be surprised to see him back next year, if I'm being honest. Might as well see what life is without him. That's, you know, I, I agree. I wouldn't blame him at all. What's the point? Well, so, Tibbs, they'd have to force Tibbs' hand, obviously, because he's not sitting him down. And no, I don't not. think they're, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they want to pick that battle right now. They, I don't think they mm-hmm. see the point because there's going to be other battles in the offseason that they're going to have to fight with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
I think it said a last call. I think there's something, a last call that we should all talk about this week. So my question to you guys is how upset are you going to be when Coach K goes out to Carolina? His oh. last game as a head coach. I'm telling you, I think this is the a, worst. He goes I out as a sore loser nope. that he's always been, and that rat can go into his office <laughs> above Shishovskyville, and he can, <laughs> he can control Shire like a little puppet because you know he's never going away. And he's oh, he always, ain't going away, that, yeah. That dude oh, program no, is always ain't going away. one no. man, first and foremost, Coach K, because this farewell tour – Oh, it's not about him. It's all about the kids, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why you told everyone you were retiring. And you said, you said, oh, yeah, make sure ACC schools, make sure you have a good gift for me when I show up to your arena to play you. And then he got all butthurt and his staff got butthurt because Carolina didn't bow at his feet and kiss the ring and give him a gift and give him a tribute video. No, they just went and they just went to Cameron Indoor. And well, they I, I would him. hope North Carolina would yeah. do all that. I, I wouldn't yeah, expect right? like that's that. like, like why the would Duke, they, you know, the Duke, I get coach that. K and his assistants were all pissed because they didn't like give him a shower. Yeah. Yeah, I don't pissed. know if Shire specifically. Well, we had I the one not shake hands after they, yeah, after, after, after they the lost, loss, yeah. after they lost to Carolina, there was like that whole thing where they were like pissed off at the Carolina coaches and some, I forget who, but somebody reported that part of the reason why the Duke coaches were pissed was because Carolina was the only ACC school that didn't present him with like a gift or a video or some kind oh, of commemoration. It in was his a report. So it was a report. It wasn't even like, oh, um, so that doesn't sound like <laughs> Coach K and his guys to be like, oh, like you, you like at it. You look, could, let me just that. settle this. All I know was after that night, tell Coach after K that night, Grady is. After that night that North Carolina – North Carolina was the better team. They took it to Duke. Duke looked like they were a team that could not handle the emotion of the night. They just they, – mm -hmm. they couldn't handle it. They're a but different I said team if they meet each other again, I feel bad for North Carolina. Now, I did not think it was going to be in the March Madness tournament. Quite frankly, I thought it was going to be in the ACC tournament. But it's even better we get them in the Final Four, and mm -hmm. I'm sticking with it. I think Duke is going to smash them. I, I and I know North Carolina is playing good ball. They really, They have been. But I think Duke is going to smash them. I don't care what the line is. I'm putting money down on Duke to cover the line. I think it's only like four points. So it's looked at being a close game. I think it's going to be very similar to the first time they played this year where Duke punished them at Chapel Hill by like 30. I'm not saying they win by 30, but I, I think it's a double-figure win for Duke. I, I absolutely do. I could be wrong, and maybe it's because, like I told you guys before, I'll be in a world of trouble if they don't win this game. Uh, cause I have, uh, what we do on the show is we make like bold statements or stick with it. And this is, you know, one that, uh, I'm taking a wheel of torture bet for. So if Duke doesn't win, I'll be spinning a wheel and having to do some kind of punishment. And then I doubled it up by saying, if Tiger plays in the masters, he's going to make the cut. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this, this doesn't backfire on me. Otherwise I may have to run like a, a mile in like eight minutes or, run a stadium right after if I fail. So I'm not, I don't want to do that. Tiger will make the cut. Tiger will make the cut. But I got to have I'm, both. I, I gambled on both. At you least, know, though, I, I at, least if, at least if Duke loses, you know that Coach K really he made it all about the kids. You know, like this is <laughs> this is about the players. It's not about him. Like this whole season has always been about the players. Um, and uh, the players, uh, his um, – I forget – 
but coach K it's definitely coach K. Yeah. Like can the average ca- casual college Look, basketball when you do what he's done for 40 years and done it well, I mean, I, I mean, maybe, come on. maybe Andy, not, it took you, how many years coach have K. we been doing, how many years have we been doing this podcast? To find out his hate for coach K. Until, K. until always, his, always, la- until his last game for you to do this. Come I've on. You should have been doing this the entire time. We could have been going. You know, it's, I've always hated coach K, but I like, Whatever. I, like, I don't watch a ton of ACC basketball anymore, so it's like I'm not watching a ton of Duke games, um, mostly well, Big ACC's East and Mac. Now. Yeah, the ACC. Well, I mean, they got two teams in the Final Four, but well, it, it was garbage yeah. all year. Yeah, it, yeah. Everyone but thought it was. The hold on, I'm going to show you guys something. This is great for a podcast to show a visual. <laughs> I'll just talk among ourselves to kind yeah. of keep this going. Yeah, now, yeah, I, we'll just... now I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's got here, but this should be good. <laughs> It sounds like the two other guys on my radio show, though, for yes. sure, that just don't – they can't stand Coach K. When I got, like, a Blue Ribbon college basketball, like, season preview, it's, like, it's one of the best season previews, like, mm-hmm. every team. But this was – was just, like, the cover this year is just, like, all Coach K pictures. Like, the cover going into the, like, regular season. It's just – look, like, that little <laughs> – just hey, what if I have it? He's so, have he's it? such a selfish prick and just such like <laughs> and like nah, 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 I'm I'm going over the top because I actually I have a, a friend who I play basketball with against in high school. His dad played for Coach K at Army and like they love him. They can't say enough nice things about him. So like obviously like he's not like the devil, like I'm making it out him out to be. You just he, you you gotta hate him. Like if you're, it's kind of like as a Jet fan, a, I hate Bill Belichick. If right? If you're not like, a Duke you know, fan, others you got it. might love him, like, but you just can't. I get it. I understand. Such I'm a just... such a sore loser too. Like, <laughs> like yelling at the crowd after Carolina beat him. Like there, uh, I wish it was Cal State Fullerton in the first round, but it's gonna be nice seeing North Carolina sending him home, and then the no, Duke coach is getting – I just don't see it happening. It's not I just happen. don't see it happening. Happen. I think they're going to win big. Do you think they're, they're going to give him a gift when they send him home? Do you think they're going to – they're going to like, They might flip him a bird like, uh, yeah. on their way out. You know, who knows? Maybe, like, give him, like, Jordan's shoes from, like, their national that championship would be funny. or something like that. that. Would be I don't funny. know. Like, they got to give they got to give Coach K a gift. This is their last chance. Now, now really, Danny, are you wearing you a really Creighton think hat? Carolina's – Oh yeah, is that a Creighton hat? No, Ralph, Raphael Nadal, my boy. Oh okay, oh, I couldn't okay. tell if it was a Creighton Blue Jay hat. I, I, my, my wife has become an honorary Creighton fan. Apparently, she took them to go to like the, the Elite Eight or the Final Four, one of the two. Hey, Her reasoning behind God. it was because their cheerleaders were screaming "Go Cray Cray" in the in their <laughs> tournament, so she she thought that was a good idea. That's a good enough reason. Oh man, now my wife is sitting next to me. She's working from home today. And she won. That's Emily. She she uh watched the the Duke of North Carolina game, and it's kind of true. I don't know if you guys seen it, and it was circulating a little bit on Twitter. But did you guys see uh Coach K's granddaughter during the ser- like what she was wearing? Mm-mm. This girl looked like she was going out to the nightclub picking up. She was trying to pick up some dudes. I I mean. She, it's a big night. It's a big yeah. night. It's I mean, it was Duke Carolina. There is no way if I'm I'm related to that girl. There is no way I'm letting her step out of public like that. I mean, it, I, I mean, this girl looked like she was in a Miami nightclub. It was it was more it was expensive than bad. a nightclub. Those tickets were probably yeah, those way tickets, more expensive than that's although true. she didn't like, although she didn't pay. Yeah, that, right. those those were from the Coach K fund, yeah. I guess. Like the the Coach K tickets, I'm sure. 
sure he had to give out a bunch, but I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing yeah. him like blaming somebody after the game. Like, you know, they're not the gonna lose. I just don't think they're gonna lose to Carolina. I think they got I don't that think either. But what's what you it know what's be the, the perfect thing way is, to though, end if career. Duke wins this thing, I'm already seeing it. Oh, it's rigged. They set yeah. it up where they people, stop. No people one's gonna give him. No one's people. gonna give him any credit when they win just the national. Stop it! That's like the laziest take in the world. That's just terrible. Stop! Everybody it. says that. Even like even not this year. Like when Duke wins, <laughs> I know. But everybody just, says Duke was. Right, they got a favorable bracket. Then they again, had everything handed to them. Stop this, it! This whole uh, the entire final like final four like that you can accuse them of you know being like the blue bloods who get all the calls like. Biggie schools that will say that about like Villanova sometimes. Obviously, people say that about Kansas. Carolina is like right there with right. Duke in the same category. So I don't know. It's like it should be a good final four. Yeah, I don't know. I have three futures bets. Well, I have Villanova, Kansas, and Duke all to win the final. All to win. Oh, the so that you, that you just need. You just need. You, know, you no need Carolina. North Carolina. I hope, yep. I hope. I just need North Carolina. I just need Duke to win. Yeah, I, I have I, to beat Carolina. <laughs> Chip, for your sake, uh, like I will allow Carolina to beat Duke, but then they will lose in the finals. So I'll, <laughs> I'll speak that into existence. So well, then win. hope then you root for Villanova because <laughs> okay, yeah, that's Villanova probably, wins the, me the, the most money. Shot. Yeah, there you go. I'm, <laughs> that was I'm a good Villanova pick. guy. That actually makes yeah. I'm a I'm a Big East guy at heart, so I'm rooting for Jay Wright and the uh, Villanova Wildcats. If yeah, if Duke loses, I'm definitely rooting for Villanova. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. course, I hope I hope they beat Kansas anyway. Yeah, that's the yeah, first yeah. game, obviously. So yeah, the appetizer for the main. So then, what course. do you do if you got Duke and Villanova? Like oh, I'm I know rooting, I'm I, rooting for I'm rooting for Duke. I said if Duke, yeah, loses, okay. you're Duke yeah, Villanova yeah. against. Yeah, for sometimes. Villanova, yeah, but you're also. I got you. If if Duke loses to Villanova in the finals. Eh, I mean, you make a little money. So I mean, I make more money than I would have. Right. So yeah, it's like you know, (laughs) yeah, it softens the blow. It does soften the blow. (laughs) That's not Um, bad. Yeah, but I don't know. Unless you guys have anything else, I think uh, I think we we downright covered uh, everything Knicks related, and then even did a little college basketball uh, Mm -hmm. to to close it up. Um, Good. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks again. If you made it through with us uh, for this entire episode, the Nick's State of Mind podcast, we'll be back again uh, sometime next week. 